You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. I'll be your guide as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me, as always, is Miss Kim Shang. And joining us today, we have ex-lefty, Twitter bombing, libertarian kitchen witch and guardian of chickens, Miss Jessica Green. Hello. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm great. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing all right. I'm, I'm glad to have you on because the first time I ever heard of you, no offense, I don't hear of any, anybody anymore because I have four children. And I code for a living, so my brain doesn't allow for me to actually listen to anything while I'm working. But David from uh, The Morning Drive with David had you on his girls' night. Oh, yeah. And he, he roped me in to speaking on that, which was not my plan. <laughs> but I remember after it, I was like, man, I am really impressed by that Jessica chick. I well, want to talk you. to her more. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that event was a lot of fun. I actually really appreciated getting to talk to other women who are in the community because there's kind of this image that it's a big sausage fest and it can be sometimes. But um, I was really actually impressed with all of the ladies who came on that night. I was like, wow, there are all these really awesome, smart chicks and I need to make friends with all of them. Well, and, and I appreciated that as well for two reasons, which is when with the libertarian kind of circle podcasts, Twitter, etc., there's either the sausage party thing, or there tend to be a lot of girls that are on Twitter who are libertarian to get a following, mm -hmm. and then don't say anything really all that worth responding to. You know, when David said, hey, I'm going to have a libertarian women's night, like, I was like, okay, let's see what this is. Let's see how this goes. Because I've had some weird interactions on Twitter with some of the libertarian ladies. And then you were there and Brett and a couple of others. And I was just like, hey, this is actually a great conversation. Maybe, maybe I should have a ladies night. That's not insulting or, or anything. Hey, I'm just I'm just telling you what I have witnessed. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of drama surrounding that, especially on Twitter, that I think some people feel that women get their followings because they're women. And I'm sure that there is some degree of truth to that. But at the same time, what that night kind of proved to me was that there is a lot of women in this community that are just balls to the wall smart and have yeah. such interesting things to say and interesting perspectives that I haven't really like considered before. And that's what I think is great is that they're bringing something unique to the table. There is a sort of prescribed box for women, uh, especially, mm -hmm. you know, myself coming from sort of the liberal side of things that you get told that if you start to get involved in any kind of philosophy outside of the liberal philosophy, you're just shooting yourself in the foot, you're punching yourself in the face, like, how could you do this? Your husband must be telling you to do it. And I started to realize that, like, there was quite a lot of sexism reserved for women who aren't liberal. And I was like, that's very interesting. Just like black people who aren't liberal. Right. It's the, it's the same thing. Yeah. The only people who don't get harangued for that in those words are white men. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and then they have their own set of challenges, too. I got the nice combination of being from the left and gay and black. That's always fun. And a woman. There's so much um, 
pre-prescription based on what you look like that it's it's extremely frustrating especially from um a side of things that claims to be about you know celebrating all of our individual characteristics and then you realize it's not really about that so that's what attracted me to libertarian philosophy was that it actually did celebrate the individual because being a woman has been something I've had to compete with all of my life to have my opinion taken seriously and I found in the libertarian community not not always but much more so than in my liberal community I was recognized as an individual like my yep. thoughts were taken on their merit instead of based on my genitalia which was nice and while there are so you know so I'm, I can't say that there aren't any women that don't have a following because they bat their eyes and yeah. men like that that's okay too. If you have a nice rack and you write taxation as theft across that rack, you're still getting the message out. So I can't <laughs> hate on that too much. It's it's going to take a lot of different tactics to get these ideas to go mainstream. So if you want to use your titties to do that, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and we're both we're, fine with that as well. Right, right. Bring that cleave <laughs> out, sister. Like, um, there's there's a, a, a great chick. Her name is Natalie Denalition. And um, she is constantly posting about, like, Mises Institute philosophy. But she also shows a little bit of that cleave now and again. And it's like, <laughs> hey, you bring them in, and then you hit them with the Mises. That's the way to go. <laughs> well, I think that that's, that's interesting because I love seeing – Anyone who's self-possessed and knows what they're good at, knows what they're talking about, presents something that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I love people like that. And I have run into, like I said, I have run into some of the, these people on Twitter who kind of just use it to gain the following. I mean, it happens and it doesn't bother me as a man because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bothered by that. You do your thing. But there are a lot of men out there who see that and then lump all of the women of yes. liberty mm -hmm. together and they get really frustrated or probably envious when a woman does more numbers or yeah. has a better following. And you know what? If you do have boobs and show them and get an audience, I mean, th that will help, obviously. Right. But as a man, you know, I'm just going to keep grinding and do the things that I like to do and talk to the people I like to. I don't care about being a celebritarian. Right. <laughs> so, so that's always a good place to start. But there was a podcast and I won't mention the name of it because uh, they don't deserve it. But there was a podcast who kind of went after one of our shows that's led by women. Okay. And kind of pushed to be on the show and kept asking and badgering and would you would hear them say things which I don't hear anything anymore. But they would kind of say things here and there or try to drum up some kind of controversy and outside of a little troll opportunity that I did, which would out them if I told you what it was, I just got under their skin mm -hmm. and it was a lot of fun for me, but I just told the girls, Hey, ignore them. Yeah. That will bother them more than anything else. And since then we haven't heard from them. I'm sure they're still seething, but you know, <laughs> I was not prepared for that aspect of it because I don't, I I'm not one of the um, accounts that tries to sexualize the message. Yeah. And so I received some of that pushback, like, oh, you, it must be nice to have tits kind of thing. And I'm just like, wow, you know, through all the effort that I put into not sexualizing my message, into not making the fact that I'm female necessarily like a huge part of what I'm trying to tell you, that really knocked me for a loop. 
And I've had that thing too, where um, people, men have demanded to be on my show and it almost made me not want to do it anymore. Like if you feel entitled to my programming, if you feel entitled to my space, then like, I just would rather not have a show at all than for you to feel like I belong, my time belongs to you in any way. Um, But then I kind of decided that that would be like letting him win. So (laughs) I had a transgender person on my show and that really upset like a series of people who decided they were going to send me like really cruel messages, um, tearing me down, like just uh, all all of these like things that they wanted to say about my, my show because I had this transgender person on. And I was like, look, you know, if I back off, if I stop doing the show that gives that shows them that they have power in doing that. And then they've won, you know? So rather than doing that, I signed on with her network. And I'm going to be more involved in her network. Um, that will be something to be announced in the future. All the kinks haven't been worked out of that quite yet. But yeah, I just decided to get more involved with her. And her message is great. And I love what she's doing. So it was like, yeah, it kind of had the opposite effect. You tried to force me to do what you wanted me to do. And now I'm going to go do the opposite, which is, you know, the Liberty way. Nothing pisses <laughs> off evil people more than... Uh you actually doing the opposite of what they wanted you to do. Yeah. But it's not like their opinion ever matters. No. That's the uh, freedom of being a podcaster that just does what they want to do is the audience. You're never going to please everybody. So all you can do is just make sure you enjoy what you do. That's right. Yeah. Someone else, um, Rebel Without a Cause. I don't know if you know Eric mm-hmm. or not. That he, he said that he produces for several women's shows. And it only happens to women. He's never had it happen to any of his shows that were hosted by men. Oh, that was me. Oh, was that you? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Eric told me that. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) So Cam told me. (laughs) that, And I was like, that is fascinating. I wasn't aware of that. And it it really took a lot out of me when it happened. I was like, what what is going on? Why do I feel so horrible about this? And it was like, this person feels they can target you because of your happenstance of genitalia. And I was like, oh, really? That that was a horse of a different color at that point. Yeah, I, I have noticed that that I haven't had anyone do that to one of the shows that's run by guys. I've had it happen to um, the Voluntary Vixens. Mm-hmm. But there, there I found out that there is this subsect of dudes mm-hmm. who think that their message is very, very important. And think that what they have to say is very necessary to the general conversation and yet they don't have the personality to back it up so they don't get the following yeah and so that is something that i've noticed a lot no one is owed your time you know how much i make people pay for my time why would i give it to you for free right (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) especially when you're when it's so low energy like come on interest me at least yeah have you seen a on uh, my page at some point, there was somebody who kept trolling me constantly. They enjoyed calling me a monkey a good portion of the time when I first started the podcast. And I never even removed those comments. They're just sitting there. And I was like, of course, I knew that was coming. So I just kind of skipped right over that person. And it was just like, okay. And eventually they gave up. Almost like leaving them there kind of like puts them on display. Like, this is you. This is what you say and what you sound like. And, and, you know, you're digging your own grave with that. That's your scarlet letter. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) 
not that most of these accounts aren't anonymous people anyway, but at the same time, it's like, that's what you're putting out, how, that's how you're representing yourself. And I am a very big fan of giving people the shovel to dig their own graves with. Absolutely. Like, if I can, if I can let you just go to town on yourself, I will let you do it every single time. I am not going to stop my enemies from making a mistake. That is the one good piece of advice that Napoleon gave, which is to <laughs> never stop your enemy from making an error. And also don't give them something that doesn't belong to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't stress that enough when I've had, because, you know, even in a, my working life, I've had people demand things of me and I'm like, dude, you don't have that right. right. This is my body. This is my time. This is my air. Leave it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I think I was not, I was not ready for how much it was going to knock me back. Because yeah. normally if, someone presents me with some kind of like unfounded criticism and it's face to face, I can deal with that really well. Um, especially like you said, you were in customer service. Like anybody who's ever been in a customer service job can pretty much like deal with that kind of thing coming in. But for some reason, when it was like this online platform, it, it like took a piece of my soul. I, I don't know what it was. I just felt awful about myself. And I was like, why am I letting this person who barely exists. They're they're an anonymous account. As far as I'm concerned, you barely exist when you're an anonymous, anonymous account. And it not, knocked me for a loop. And that's one of the things that I've, I don't say this a lot, but I will say it. I respect anyone who puts their name on their product. Yeah. So the fact that you are Jessica Green and the Jessica Green show, I respect that. I don't hate on people who use fake names, but also I'm not going to call you some silly name that you made up. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. That's just not my... I completely understand and support the need for anonymity on the internet because sometimes, especially with the way the culture is right now, you can say the wrong thing and then 10 years from now, you'll lose your entire career. And maybe what you said right now is not bad, but in 10 years, it will be considered bad. And how are you supposed to know? So I I understand completely the need for anonymity, especially among people who have careers. Yeah. But at the same time, like... I'm a a homemaker. So if you want to cancel me, you can call my husband and tell him that I can't cook dinner (laughs) for him anymore. I'm sure that will go well for you. Well, and that's the thing. Just, I would just love you to use a realistic sounding name is all like I, the silly thing is just, I'm just like, come on, dude, don't make me say that over and over again when I talk to you. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if I did, if I was smart to do mine, because there's no other Kim Shang on the planet. So I'm pretty much out there. So every now and then I'm like, I don't know if I, that was the correct move, but then I was dumb enough to run for office. So I guess I gave up on that. And once you're out there, you are out there. So there is that aspect of it. But don't worry, Kim, I'll give you some of my white privilege. So you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll be covered. Thanks. <laughs> It'll keep me warm. I just mention often that I do avail myself of my Second Amendment right. So, you know, that's just something to consider when uh, you come after people. I don't know. Oh, yeah, especially libertarians. Right. Right. Yeah. One of the good things about being in the anarchist realm is that if you come to my house, there's a 0% chance that I'm calling the cops first. So, (laughs) you know, keep that in mind. I love that meme where it's a guy laughing and it's the the burglar says, aren't you going to call the cops? And he just laughs. Like, no, that's not what we do around here. (laughs) Nope. You mentioned canceling, and I don't know if you know this. Do you remember Nick Cannon, or do you know of Nick Cannon? 
He does the the masked singer, right? Yeah, he also did Drumline. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in that, yeah. Yeah, and I think he was on Nickelodeon. Mm, I'm old. <laughs> I don't remember, but I feel like he was on Nickelodeon. <laughs> but he got canceled today. Oh, what would he do? He had a podcast with someone named Griff. I cannot remember who that is mm-hmm. because it was the first time I'd heard the name. Okay. Uh, but they were talking. Uh, apparently, he, the Griff guy, is in the Black Nationalist arena, oh, and so I know those. I know those guys. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. He and Nick Cannon were talking. And they essentially said that black people were the true Hebrews. And Nick Cannon said, and I quote, it's never hate speech. You can't be anti-Semitic when we are the Semitic people, when we are the same people who they want to be. That's our birthright. We are the true Hebrews. Is that why Hebrews was trending today? Probably so. Yeah. Yes. You know, I clicked on the trending and it was just this like slew of awful comments. And I was like, okay, I'm going to back out of here before... I get pissed off. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know that that had come from Nick Cannon. I saw him floating around the internet today, but I didn't know. Um, yeah, yeah, so the black Israelites, those guys, there's a lot of those guys in Atlanta. And, you know, you see them on the street with their, like, protest signs and things like that. And they're shouting the craziest shit you've ever heard in your life. But mainly people find them to be a figure of fun. I don't yeah. know a lot of people who take them ultra seriously. Um, some groups well, are listed as terrorist organizations. If you, like, so if you go on the, um, I think it's the Southern Poverty Law Center website, they have like a map and you can see yeah. where the different like terrorist groups are located. And there's a bunch of black Israelite groups surrounding Atlanta that are listed on that. But for the perspective of the people, mainly people just kind of find them to be figures of fun because they're just shouting the most crazy things like that. You know, they're from ancient Egyptians and that those Egyptians are connected to UFOs somehow. And I don't know the whole story, but it's (laughs) crazy stuff. (laughs) Well, what's what's funny is Dave Smith said that he heard it and he laughed because he thought it was funny. He thought it was hilarious. A lot of it is. Which I laughed at it. And this one of the, um, I guess, groiper type people like got on Dave's case and he was like, you think this is funny? Yeah, it is, though. Like, And he sent a video to Dave Smith of this random black dude talking. And he's like, you think this is hilarious? And the guy literally was saying, uh, white people can't get above the animal plane. They kill because they're composed of the same melanin phenotype as animals. They don't have the neuromelanin that allows you to connect with God like black people. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's neuro- a neuromelanin. Melanin? <laughs> that's a black Israelite for you. Yeah, I, I saw one where this woman was claiming that melanin processed information. And so they get information from the sun that's processed through the melanin in their skin. And that because white people don't have enough melanin, we don't get the ancient knowledges. Right. That's wow. And I was like, oh, man, I'm missing out on the ancient knowledges with an S knowledges. Wow. <laughs> yeah, plural. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, darn. I just never heard of neuromelanin before. And I showed Kim the video right before this. I laughed so much. I'm, I'm the same as a lion, which is supposed to be, I believe, an insult. Oh, okay. Lions are pretty cool, though. I don't know that I'd mind being called a lion. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's what's going on in cancel culture today. And so that made me think of it. So, so wait, so to bring this back, just to make sure I understand this story, Nick Cannon okay. of The Masked Singer had yes. a black Israelite on and they started talking about neuromelanin and now he's canceled? Okay, no, he didn't talk about neuromelanin. Okay. 
The neuromelanin was someone trying to prove to Dave Smith that it wasn't funny, which oh. backfired because that's objectively hilarious. That's a hard sell because that shit is funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is really damn funny. Yeah. But Nick Cannon had this guy on and Nick Cannon said that black people were the true Hebrews, so they can't be anti-Semitic. Mm. We're just, we can't be anti-Semitic, can't be racist. This is just, wow, beneficial. So no more uh, Nick Cannon on Masked Singer. Well, that's okay. That show probably needs to die the death anyway. <laughs> I think we're done with that. Yeah, after Sarah Palin was on it. Yeah, I mean, that was a that was a pill to swallow for a lot of people, too. Like, <laughs> Baby Got Back has never sounded so good. <laughs> <laughs> because Sarah Palin, uh, Kim has met her. Oh, is she nice? Oh, yeah. She seems like she'd be nice. She actually is very nice. She was actually really cool to talk to. The only thing, and it's just still my favorite thing she's ever said when I gave her my campaign card, she said, oh, I'm a libertarian too. And I had to use every acting class skill that I had ever learned not to just bust up laughing in her face when I heard that. God bless you, Sarah Palin, for believing that you're a libertarian. <laughs> I just thought it was great to see someone that high profile holding something in their hand that I had designed. Yeah, like Cam designed all of my campaign stuff. It was really good. Very eye-catching. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's really cool. I mean, I, I she gets a lot of shit. And don't get me wrong, she says a lot of stupid things. But at the same time, she seems like she's a genuine person. And those don't exist in Washington. And so, like, that's, yeah. it doesn't surprise me that she didn't really, like, get very far. Because it just seems like she's actually, like, a nice lady. And I kind of feel bad. <laughs> like. <laughs> She'd be chill to have beers with. Yeah. I, that would be awesome. I'd hang out with that lady again. Yeah. She's nice. And she's gorgeous, too. Like, that kind of gets passed over. But mm -hmm. she's, like, a really hot chick, too. Just, I don't know why I thought I needed to mention that, but she is. Definitely a MILF. Would you rather have a beer with Barack Obama or eat McDonald's with Donald Trump? I would so much rather eat McDonald's with Donald Trump than I would have a beer Thank with you. Barack yes. Obama. First of all, Barack Obama nurses beers you can look at that guy and just tell that he nurses he'll take a little sip and then he'll say some shit and then he'll get out of there donald trump look i think they both belong in a federal prison right next to each other don't oh, get absolutely. me wrong they're both war criminals but at the same time what what of those two events that i think would be most entertaining would be to have mcdonald's with trump he would be a lot of fun. but could you imagine sitting there like being i don't know about you but me i really love trolling mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite things so could you imagine being able to sit down with Donald Trump and go over over trolling and meme strategies for his Twitter game? I just the way that he handles the press is stroke genius. It's and whatever <laughs> negative you have to say about him, he has those people wrapped around his pinky. It's it's ridiculous how he controls them. And his new um press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, Oh my I god. I like her a lot. <laughs> now I'm not I'm not a Republican, but oh my god. I was about to say I'm not gay, but oh. <laughs> I was like, now I'm listening. <laughs> I mean, I like me some Miss Kaylee. She is, first of all, super hot and blonde, and she is tearing it up, and I love it. And she gets she gives Ooh. them no quarter. She is prepared every time. I love a fiery lass. What's been fun lately is all of the LP stuff because I've, I've, Kim actually ran to be, it was a state senator or was it? Yeah, it was state yes, senator. Yes, for awesome. the, uh, in the Libertarian Party in 2016. 
And shortly after that, like I joined the LP in 2016 because I still thought that I could help this situation through politics, but only a little bit and only for a short time. And because I watched the um, 2016 national convention and I was like, well, I'm not giving them any more money. Like immediately. I don't, I don't LP. And (laughs) Kim had the same reaction. (laughs) And so Pete, do you know Peter uh, Quinones? Yeah. I, I, I don't know him, but I'm familiar with him. What's fun is he and I have been kind of in the headspace at the same headspace on Twitter and on Facebook because I thought that I despised the LP stands in 2016, the ones who were like really hardcore Gary Johnson let Gary debate. Mm-hmm. I thought that I despised those people. I would like to have those people back, please, because the new round is so much worse. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about like the mm-hmm. Joe Jorgensen. Yeah, the JoJo bots. Yeah. So I was actually on um, Freckles and Brit show live when they announced who that was. And there were five women sitting there talking when they announced who the LP candidate was going to be. And all five of us went, who? And we started looking up and asking questions. And all of the LP people started in instantaneously very rude about it. Saying, well, if you had been paying attention to the last eight months of debates, then you would know who she was. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting way to respond to curiosity about your new presidential candidate is to be rude about it. (laughs) Not to mention, I don't know if it got better this time with the debates, because last time they had presidential debates in 2016, Mm -hmm. like it's like they couldn't even find a 720p camera to use to shoot the things. Yeah. So why would I watch that if it's going to be painful? Except for the one that was in Vegas, thank you much. We actually had <laughs> Pin and Teller for that one, so that was good. Well, I was a little worried that I would see naked man ass again if I tuned yep. into that, so I just kind of skipped it and figured I'd catch the real later. And now <laughs> Is we there have a real. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you get clips, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, all I know is that Sarwark told someone to eat a dick. That's all I know. <laughs> Maj, well, Maj they said it was because somebody was, I guess he was talking to somebody that was on the floor. He was on the stage and somebody said something and Sarwak said to that one person to eat a dick. But then all of a sudden went around the internet, him saying it to the entire group of people there. I love when they get him mad because he's so easy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And he's so bad at it. Yeah. Like, did you see that wonderful exchange with him calling Eric July a racist? and trying to tag in Talib Kweli into it, and then Talib Kweli eventually going, calling Nick Sarwark a racist. Of course. Is, what did ugh. he think? He, we were trying to, like, buddy him up with you to call <laughs> Eric a Another racist? Another black man a racist. Oh, my God. Can you, I mean, first of all, that's so <laughs> insulting. Like, you're going to, you want, yeah. you want me to buddy in because what, I'm black too, and I'm going to, like, agree with you, so that's going to give your opinion that Eric is a racist more weight? Like, that's racist. Wait, fuck you. Sorry, I don't know if you're all swearing on your program no, or not. Fine. But I've it's got fine. a lot of them. I I used to like bleep stuff. And first off, I hate the bleep so- sound. I hate it, so I don't do it anymore. But really, the big thing was I had, what's his name? Guy who ran for president. Why can't I, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, John McAfee. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had him on and I was like, I'm not bleeping in anything no. that this guy says. Oh, and so God. then that became what I do now is if you're on here, say what you want. I'm going to say what I want. Every time McAfee's on, I watch him because he is like, he's super awesome. Only in the sense that he's like, 
he is living what anarchists think they would like to live, which is like, yeah. I am independent of the state and I don't care what they do. I'm just going to do my own thing. And like, I think if I hung out with him for a couple of days, I'd probably get tired of him super quick because he seems like he's like, he drinks he a lot <laughs> and smokes a lot. And I'd be like, okay, I, I can't keep up with you, man. But <laughs> I love watching his story. And so yeah. speaking of eating a dick, though, he still hasn't. Oh, <laughs> he backed off of that, though. <laughs> Was he going to eat a dick? Of course he would. He said yeah. that if Bitcoin hit a certain dollar amount, that he would eat his own dick on live TV. Like with a knife and fork? Yeah, like like he thought that it was going to hit this mark, but if it did not hit that high mark, he was going to eat his dick. Oh, yeah. A lot of people were predicting that, and I think that it's it, it's a little sad that it didn't because I had a lot of hope for that, but at the same yeah. time, it's like, it's internet shekels, you know, like... yeah. There's a lot of problems with this still that kind of need the kinks worked out. So oh, yeah. I don't, I have not trusted my wealth with Bitcoin as of yet. Yeah. I need I, to be I more convinced either. that it's not as tied to me. the market as it seems to be. Well, and what was fun about our conversation with him, me and my friend Ryan spoke to him, was that I think he was very well prepared for like a very serious show. Mm hmm. And so when I came in and gave him a, a funnier introduction and we talked about how awful the woman was that directed the documentary about him, like he just laughed and rolled the whole time. It was so much fun. Yeah. He, like, I, like I said, I, he seems like he's a great time. I just don't think that I could ever keep up with him. Yeah. Like he is always yeah. going and I'm just like, I just, I think I would drop out after a couple of days. I would be like, all right, dude, I'm out. <laughs> it's hard to keep up in a conversation. Well, the first day is fun. During uh, 2016, when I was running for office, I got to hang out with him a lot. Cool. Mostly his wife. His wife is the coolest woman on the planet. That lady is awesome. I think so, too. And I've never even met her. I love that she just walked up to him and was like, you're mine now. <laughs> yeah, I love her. Like I said, I like a fiery lass. You said you, had, you, you met him and you got to hang out with him a lot, but especially his wife. And I just got really excited. Yeah, it, we just always saw him at uh, conventions and he would throw all these parties and they're about as wild as you would expect. And that man is up at insane hours. I was like, this is a, uh, I can't really hang if this is how libertarians do it. Cause I had only been a libertarian for about three months. So it was a little bit of a culture shock at first, but that dude has a lot of energy and I'm assuming that's probably from the cocaine. He said he was 74 and I'm like, how are you alive? <laughs> like, I'm 37, and if I have more than two or three beers the next day, I'm like, don't speak to me. But yeah, I mean, Coke, Coke will do it. Coke will. Yeah. yeah. That's how I survived my waitress years. I am not ashamed <laughs> to say. <laughs> I've, never, I've, ne I've never tried booger sugar. Um, At this point, you can probably safely rule that out. In our age group, it's not a great idea. I've safely ruled out a lot yeah. of things, luckily. <laughs> I tried it twice, but then when I realized that if a woman sat on my face at any point, I would not have felt it. So I just didn't do it anymore. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, pretty much everybody in the food industry in Atlanta is coked out of their mind. And that's just the way the restaurant industry is. I mean, I don't know about other cities, but at least in Atlanta, everybody in the restaurant industry is like coked out of their brain. But you know what? They get shit done and they make their money. Yep. So let me ask you, how do you feel about the recent Joe Jorgensen tweet that I'm sure you've heard of. Ah, uh, the actively anti-racist one? Yes. Right, right. So that could have been like 
Do you remember? I don't think it was written by her. By no, I don't either. Um, no. Remember Silly either. Putty used to be able to take it and lay it on a newspaper and then mm-hmm. like, oh. It was copy pasta. Right, right. So I kind of felt like that was what was going on there. Like, oh, God, you just kind of like pulled from a random assortment of things that you think people want to hear and you put it up on Twitter and gross. Um, yeah. But also, like, I saw a lot of really great criticism about that. A lot of hilarious criticism about it. Like, one of them was like, it's not enough simply not to be homo- not homophobic. You have to be actively gay. <laughs> that was that was what <laughs> I had to post that. That is amazing. That's like so funny. And it's like it, any other way you try to phrase that, it, you see the absurdity of it. And I'm just kind of like, yeah. I get what you're doing, like, but I don't want it. So stop. Yeah. Yeah. I just need to rant about that, though. <laughs> yeah, I had a conversation with someone and I was my point about her saying it isn't that I think that she actively is promoting Marxism. Right. I think that she pulled from the current zeitgeist late, by the way. Right. And she used the, this jumble of terms that are used very specifically by the people who promulgated them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've had this conversation with a couple of people where I've said the brilliance of the black lives matter movement is that they took a sheer statement of fact, Black Lives Matter, and they've attached a laundry list of items that you have to agree with, mm-hmm. otherwise you are a racist, or you don't believe Black Lives Matter. However you want to say it. I saw great criticism of it in my anarcho-Christian Facebook group, where they were saying, the guy was saying, it's the same as saying, calling your movement the sky is blue. Mm-hmm. And then having this other laundry list of things that have nothing to do with the sky. But then if anybody disagrees with you, you can then say, what are you saying? The sky isn't blue. Right. And that rang true to me. I was like, this is very similar. Like everybody acknowledges the sky is blue. Of course the sky is blue. I mean, most of the not time. technically scientifically. We, <laughs> we know that it's because of scattered light. But the point being, we all know that. And it's an accepted fact. But if I disagree with any of your other politics, you get to turn around and say that I don't think the sky is blue. No, I'm afraid yeah. not. Like, that's it's just brilliant. nonsensical. Yeah. I think the upsetting thing, though, is the reaction to it is anytime you criticize that tweet, the problem is they'll say, oh, you're racist. Oh, well, you're just say- slamming BLM. Not everybody in BLM is evil. And so they can just continually use that, oh, we've exposed those racists in the, liber- you know, in the liberty movement right. who disagree with this tweet. And I had to jump in there and go, okay, as a black woman, I'm going to tell you what my problem with this tweet is. I don't even care about the BLM part. Don't care. Don't care about anything that sounded like Marxism. It's the fact that I would have to pull up Urban Dictionary to figure out what the hell anti-racist meant in the mm-hmm. first place. So I don't know where they were going with that. And I'm like, they're okay, what does this word mean? So everybody was trying to tell me, you know, Maybe I had some latent racism about black people or something. But I was like, I don't understand why you use this term. You just went and grabbed the leftist term to pander, for one. And then you get mad at people who don't know what that means. I didn't know what it meant until I finally looked it up. And I was like, okay, don't we already have words for don't be racist? And if you see something racist, point that out. Like, don't we have words for that? We have to pull that one out. Right. But the only criticism you can possibly have of this tweet is apparently, you know, it's against BLM and it makes libertarians uncomfortable because it's Marxist. But I just think that whole thing was off base. Well, and not to mention that one of the things that I've noticed all over the internet over the past couple of years is that it's not 
be anti-racism. It's be anti-racist. Mm-hmm. And putting it that way makes me uncomfortable for a couple of reasons. One being the word racist is very, very loose these days. Yep. It is not as strong of a term as it used to be because it's been used for everything. Just like it was okay to punch a Nazi a few years ago, now you have to be anti-racist. Does that mean that I have to be against people who think differently and are not doing harm to anyone? Do I have to punch people? Yeah. Because I'm not willing to do that. I think that's the expectation. I think that's exactly the expectation. And in fact, I see this kind of like desire to dehumanize. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a fan of racism. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to hang out with people who are racist. But I think that you have a right to be a racist. You have a right to think your thoughts in your head. And I hope that by being allowed to speak your mind on these issues, you can be contradicted. Or ignored completely. Or ignored. Have people not deal with. Ostracize. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. So my deal on that is that um, the answer to bad speech is always more speech. And so the idea that these people should be shuttered into some dark place where they can, you know, just talk amongst themselves and never be contradicted by anybody is is going to make things infinitely worse. There, I'm trying to remember his name and I always forget it. Um, His last name is Dixon. And I think his first name is, no, it's not Daryl. That's the guy from Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Walking Dead. Yes, it is. (laughs) So he's this guy. He basically, um, he talks to clan members. And he Okay, yeah, I know I, I can envision him in my mind, but right, I can't tell you what his I, yeah, name is. Yeah, I remember who you're talking about. I wish yeah. to God I could remember her, his name. I feel so crappy for not knowing it, but he personally has pulled like forty people out of the clan simply by talking to them. I treat yep. by is saying, I acknowledge you as a human being. And I'm gonna speak to you, and by speaking to me, you're gonna have a hard time not acknowledging me as a human being. And yep. that guy has done more to be anti racist by treating clan members as human beings than any of the people, any of the blue checks on the Twitter right now who are making all this like anti-racist sentiment, this fella has actually like looked people in the eye and talked to them like they were human beings, which is the opposite of what you're allowed to do now. Instead, Mm -hmm. it's the racist is not a human being. The racist is dehumanized. The racist can be punched, can be killed, can be hurt, and all of these things. And that's what we do. We dehumanize right before we make it okay to commit violence. And ignorance is curable, completely curable. Yes. It's not a cancer. It's not, it's very curable. Mm-hmm. I have had, it just like I have had great conversations with statists who were very pro-war and turning them to my end, which is anti-war and anti-killing. Mm-hmm. You can do the same thing with people who have a bad opinion of black people. There was a documentary made by a woman who was at the Charlottesville riots i guess we'll call Mm -hmm. them it was more of a street brawl but yeah so in charlottesville she was there with a white identitarian group but she herself Mm -hmm. was middle eastern and so she was sort of given a pass to travel with these men so that she could film them and months after this documentary came out one of the leaders of that white identitarian group had messaged her telling her i'm no longer in this group I don't want to be involved with these people anymore. I am renouncing white supremacy and white identitarianism. And when she asked him why he was doing that, he said, I didn't like the way that you were treated because you were there respectful. You were there looking me in the eye, treating me like a human being. And these other people were treating me terribly. And I couldn't square that. So this man left white supremacy by simply being respected by somebody. And I think that that has way more power 
Not necessarily, and I'm not telling anybody, I, I, I often get this criticism, what are you telling me? I have to deal with these racists. I have to open myself up to these racists. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm just saying if you have the opportunity to treat someone like a human being, do that because you don't know how you might affect them. That just by talking to you and, and being respected by you, that might change their view completely. You guys might have a conversation about food. doesn't matter. You don't even have to talk about race. They might decide, hey, you're a cool person. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Well, yeah, and it's like it reminds me of Michael Malice. He wrote his book, The New Right, and he is a Jew, a yep. Russian Jew. Right, right. And he talked to all of these different people. I'm, I don't think he made any claims about bringing people out, but it's the same. Like when you were mentioning that story, I'm like, yeah, that's what Malice did, too. Mm -hmm. He just mm -hmm. treated these people like normal people. And it what you said actually reminded me of a Bible verse. <laughs> Proverbs right. 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yes. Oh, God. Absolutely. That, those are the facts. And if you if you counter ignorance and anger and violence with, or not even necessarily violence, if you counter ignorance and racism with a harsh word and with violence, you're doing nothing but making the problem worse. Mm -hmm. I was uh, on Facebook the other day and a friend of mine was having a conversation with someone because they had put up a meme that said, how come there are, uh, there's tear gas deployed at uh, Black Lives Matter peaceful protests, but there aren't at KKK rallies or the people with the guns. And first off, that's the person who posted it, I would never have had that conversation with that person. Right. That wasn't, that was not an area of argumentation that was winnable. It would have been ca casting pearls before swine. Yeah. So I wouldn't have done it. But for one, when you have a group of men walking around open carrying AK 47s and AR 15s, shooting them with, with mace, pepper spray, not going to go well. You don't do that. And on top of that, usually, Say what you want about the KKK. They're evil. They do terrible things. They have the worst thoughts. But they're always peaceful when they gather. They're very, very effective at that because they have a long history of doing this. So they know yeah. what will allow them to sustain themselves. Right. And some of these protests lately have not been peaceful. So yes, I will never stand a cop. But it makes sense that a cop would use pepper spray on people when there's unrest and violence right. than when there's not. But it was one of those things where he, this guy was like, well, you know, there's a uh, hate speech isn't free speech and the KKK needs to be named a terrorist organization and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, it's always interesting because I see these arguments and I have these thoughts in my head where I'm like, oh, you mean like in 1872 when they decided when Grant passed and signed a law about the KKK that said that he could use military force against them if he wanted to. Right. Like that kind of thing. The thing that already exists, that's what you want. <laughs> like, how is that going to work? Yeah, we've got this trend in our country lately where there's already laws against murder and theft and all these types of things, but we need to make a, another law on top of that law that re-says that murder yeah. is bad. But extra bad when it's this kind of murder. The thoughts in your head were different than the guy who murdered three people out of just regular malice, you had racial malice, so... They're all still equally dead, but, you know, extra crime for you. Yeah. Yeah, so to back to the... Just real quick, back to the idea of communicating our arguments well. I had an interesting Facebook interaction this morning 
where someone was calling people who didn't like to wear face masks, she referred to them as plague rats. Oh, wow. I've just heard masker and anti-masker. Yeah, so... Playing off the vaxxer stuff. That's what, that's what I would put in my original post, is that if you're using the term masker or anti-masker, you're the one doing the polarization. That everybody complains yep. about how polarized everything is right now, but, you know, they, nobody takes any responsibility for not being a polarizer. And so, you know, I tried to point that out, and this woman, like clockwork, like she couldn't help herself, was like, you're right, I'm going to shame those anti-maskers because they're plague rats. I was like, how many people do you think you can convince to wear a mask by calling them a rat? It's not, you're not really trying to convince anyone to wear a mask. That's not your goal. Your goal is to dehumanize people that you don't like so that you can give yourself permission to do whatever you want to them. Not to mention, it's to make them feel better, smarter, and superior to the person they're talking to. Absolutely. Because people all over this country, one of, I've said this, not, I don't think on this show, but I've said this for years. There is a giant issue in the most current generations with lack of identity. Mm-hmm. And so they flood, they flock to these different ideas, these different niche things that give them an identity. And right now, there's a safety in numbers with the coronavirus deal mm-hmm. and being one of the good people. Right. And I care about my community. Right. <laughs> the next door app has this a 28-year-old man got on it a couple months ago back when things were not as bad, which I'd say they're better now, but you know, uh they were not as bad back then. He was like only about 2 thirds of the people in the ro- local grocery store wearing masks. What can we do to shame these people? And I'm like, dude, you're 28 years old. Mind your business, man. Chill out. Yeah. I don't get it. Have you seen the uh What's going on in Texas that they are starting to, they put out, from the fire department, put out an ad looking for people to tell on people who are not wearing masks in Texas. They literally put that out on the internet. And does that not just smack of, like, Soviet-era, like, tell on your parents, tell on your neighbors, they're not good communists anyway? Like, there's so much... Yep, class traitors. That was about 90% of the the comments on that post were all exactly what you just said. And it's interesting how reviled the Soviet Union is in America. And here we are all lining up to just adopt the Stalin policy. And that, you know, every time I try to point out that, like, these are Stalinistic policies. Oh, you're being dramatic. Oh, that could never happen here. Why could that not happen here? Because of your hubris? That's not going to protect us from this. This absolutely could happen here. Well, also the corporate press. Oh, boy. I mean, if you look if you look now and if you look in the 1930s, Walter Durante, I believe he was with the, the New Republic at that point, actually went over to the Soviet Union and Ukraine to see what was going on and wrote to, I believe, the New York Times that everything that people were saying about Stalin wasn't true, that the Holodomor wasn't happening, this, that, and the other. The common thread in the corporate media at that point was to back the communists. And so every time you hear someone say, back in the day, it used to be better, call bullshit on them, because this is always the case. Right now, we're seeing the same thing, just in a different situation. And to flip that on its head, you can turn around and look at like the McCarthy era, and how if you were thought to be a communist, it could ruin your life. It could, you know, you could potentially be driven out of your home, you could be driven out of your job, violence could befall you. And then they would have you in to like tattle on your friends. 
who did you, who were you in a group with? Who were you in a political group with? So, you know, again, we revile the Soviet Union while emulating them at home. And what's interesting about the McCarthy era in general is that, yes, that there was some real shady, terrible stuff. But the fact was there were communist sympathizers with ties to the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. that were found out to be trying to infiltrate our country. And so it's one of those, it's like a double-edged sword where you see that era and you're like, well, they did find the communist threat. Right. So there's always that little (laughs) inkling of truth that they can use and they don't, they don't pull it out of their ass. It's not like they went, all the Nazis went around to every German door, knocked on it and said, Hey, do you guys want to participate in the biggest act of mass violence of the century? And everybody went, yeah, we're down for that. Like it would never go down like that. It has this slow incremental burn that where you can take little stories out of the news here and there, this bad thing happened, that bad thing happened. Aren't you afraid of this? And it builds on itself in conjunction with the dehumanizing, which mm-hmm. the rats thing particularly struck me. Oh, yeah. That's something that, Any kind of vermin. Right. The, that's what the Germans referred to the Jews as, rats. Well, and, and if Stalin hadn't died when he did, his plan was to start exterminating Jews. Yeah. he. I'm not sure that it would have gotten that far because I think a lot of the people in his government at that point were fearing for their own heads and there were plans in action to remove him, but he ended up having that. I'm just saying he had the plan. (laughs) He did have the plan. Yes. And and, and because (laughs) that plan involved a new set of purges and who was going to be in that purge decided that they were not going to be purged. I think that if Stalin (laughs) had not had that stroke, that his own government, his own, the people surrounding him would have taken him out, which in an odd way confirms his, paranoia but he did bring that on himself it wouldn't have been that way if he had not committed the purges before that so that's yeah that's an interesting um thought experiment to travel down what might have happened if stalin had not had there are so many good what might have happened like if a time traveler went back and killed baby woodrow wilson would we have had world (laughs) war ii (laughs) yeah there's always that thought experiment of let's go back and kill some baby and i'm like yeah they'd be a baby (laughs) (laughs) oh terrible it's always why is it a baby it's always a baby it's never a teenager you're not like killing 15 year old hitler you're killing baby (laughs) hitler when he hasn't done anything (laughs) just terrible but yeah unfortunately those thought exercises are never very useful because it's not like we have that ability anyway but i I think it's just for fun yeah i think it does point out like that the path of history is so, how do I want to say this? It it seems like everything is going on this straight line and all these things just fall into place. But so often in history, it could have gone the other way. That if just, if if a person had had eggs for breakfast instead of a muffin, it could have gone a a completely different way for all of history. If the bomb had gone off in that suitcase. You're talking about the Valkyrie thing, right? That's exactly what I was thinking of. Like how how this might have been avoided otherwise, or if, you know, if the allies had never cracked Enigma or, you know, not, yeah. not to frame everything in world war two, but basically world war two informed <laughs> yeah. our modern world. So, Oh, and I think what's another good thing to realize is this thread that we've been pulling on, which is, you know, Hitler didn't, we, we think in uh, retroactive 2020, Yes, we see all of the dead Jews. We see the the gays that were put onto train cars. We see all of this and we go, oh, well, they have to have known. We see the how many 
million, 20 million, how many million deaths in the Soviet Union that we see. But instead of seeing that when it started with Lenin, with the Treaty of Versailles and the people coming in and getting Hitler where he was and talking people into horrors and not telling most of them that horrors were happening. Mm-hmm. We we can't forget that if you look at the state over history, it's almost always a conspiracy theory. And we just know it now because we've seen the outcome. Yeah, that's why I always trip when people bag on conspiracy theorists. Because I think, do you not? theorize that people conspire behind closed doors because that's how most shit goes down (laughs) i mean the the constitution was a conspiracy absolutely it was a coup but no one talks about it like that there's a great i don't know what to call it because it's not exactly a podcast but it's like a a mini series by dan carlin called um blueprint for armageddon where he Mm -hmm. goes blow by blow oh have have you seen that it's amazing and he was talking about yeah i did listen to it in the beginning of the events that transpired before the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. You just have a bunch of like dirty, scrappy 20 year old political guys planning this in a smoky cafe somewhere. You know, this event that would trigger basically all of the modern world to unravel happened because of a conspiracy, a secret conspiracy mm-hmm. in, in a closed door setting. And like, that's, that's how all of this goes down. There's not some order to it. It's, it's almost sort of, just this like random set of events that happens. And it really could have easily gone the other way. A, a period of, hi- it's way off the beaten track here, but a period of history I'm really interested in is Caesar's commentaries. Because the Gauls almost won. They got mm-hmm. very, very close to winning. And how different might our entire world be if Caesar had been defeated? If he had never gone back to Rome, if he had never been assassinated, if Augustus had never risen after him. Like everything would be different now in a way that we can't possibly imagine. And that is interesting to speculate on because it means the moment that we're alive in now, everything is possible and it could go any way. And we look at the structures and the power structures around us and we think there's no way any of this could be toppled. It's so powerful. It's so corrupt. There's no way any of this could be toppled. But every time a power structure has been toppled, right up until the moment that it happened, everyone believed it to be impossible. And I think now is a unique moment in history that everyone feels a sort of electricity in the air, a rumbling in the ground. We all kind of have the inkling that something's coming. And Mm -hmm. anyone who's a student of history is like, yeah, this is the the precursor. Something's about to fall down. So I'm ready for it. This is the before time. Yeah, it is the before time. That's exactly right. We're we're just waiting to see what what comes. And I kind of think that it's going to be revealed that massive amounts of our politicians, celebrities, and news media are actually complicit with this Epstein stuff. Are you reading my notes? Am I reading your notes? No. (laughs) Because because my notes right here of things that I want to talk about. You've hit every one of them. I'm just good. Jelaine Maxwell. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about the fact that she was living and staying in the same part of France that Roman Polanski has stayed in for decades to not be extradited to the United States and to be picked up. I'm sure that's an accident. I'm sure it's a complete accident. There's no way that's related. Why, unless she had a deal and a plan in place and knew she was going to get arrested, why the hell was she in Rhode Island? Yeah, so 
There are bizarre mm. threads to this that no one who's not inside of it are going to be able to parse out just yet. Because yeah. this goes far wider, in, in my belief, that this goes far wider and deeper than any of us are even prepared for. Like, get ready oh, yeah. for people that you know and love and have admired. To, to Oh, I'm... I am at the place where I, I, I will believe it. Yeah. Because I believe that something happened in Franklin. You know, you know the Franklin cover oh, up? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. Fill me in here. Maybe okay, I do. So that was awful. Do you know who Johnny Gosh is? No. Johnny Gosh was the first kid to ever be put on the back of a milk carton because oh. his mother is convinced that he was taken and sold into sex slavery. Oh, my God. Uh, what, what it was Franklin? What? What's what state was it, Kim? I'm trying to remember. It's been, gosh, it's been a couple of years since I saw the documentary. So it doesn't matter. But there was a a guy at the Franklin Credit Union named Larry King, not the Larry King that you think of, the the goblin that talks to celebrities. He was a a rising black Republican star. Okay. That ran this credit union, and there were several. It, it, I can't get into it too deeply because it's been a long time since I've looked into it. Sure. But there were several people who came forward and said, hey, he is using this as a front for child trafficking. Hmm. And then people started coming forward and saying, yes, this is true. Uh, he's a part of this. We were taken to the White House. We saw J George H.W. Bush at the parties, etc. And so people started looking into it. And just as with everything else, people started dying. The people who came forward to tell that something happened were charged with perjury and put into prison. And um, one guy, I can't remember his name, but he had gone with his son to pick up some documents and some photos that would prove that something was going on. And on his way back, flying his own plane, he and his son had a, had an airplane accident and everything was destroyed. Wow. That was... It was a frightening i mean they had like boys recruiting boys for them and it was quite disturbing so i believe it because i think that even though all of what was said may or may not have been true where there's smoke there's fire absolutely and i think that there's a lot of fire yeah <laughs> underground and we're we're starting to see the smoke and i think tom hanks is a part of it oh my god i had the biggest fight with a friend of mine about this because he loves tom hanks and I was like, he is just too freaking clean. And then when Ricky Gervais was making that speech. That face. The face that he made mm -hmm. is the same face that every politician who gets caught screwing his secretary and has to apologize. And he's caught makes that face. And he made that face more than anyone has ever made that face before. And I was like, wow, that dude fucks kids. It's just yep. what it is. I mean, and, and so mm -hmm. I, I, I was talking with somebody about this who was saying something I found compelling. Which is that when you have all the money in the world and everything you ever want is handed to you all the time, it has a ratcheting effect. Like, what else can I do? This, you know, basic thing. The law of diminishing returns. Right. It's not going to, the things aren't going to entertain you as much anymore. They're not going to please you as much anymore. What else can I do to ratchet this up? You know what I'm saying? And so I think mm -hmm. that, uh, especially when you're dealing with like politicians, celebrities, people who never get told no. They have the world and all of their dark predilections to satisfy it with. And it wouldn't surprise me if all of these people, all of them, are involved in yeah. it. And it, it's not themselves physically doing things to children. They know about it and they're looking the other way and are thus guilty. Have you looked into Isaac Cappy? I'm, I'm sorry, who? Isaac Cappy. I don't know the name, no. 
he was a um, an actor. He did a couple small parts, but he knew Seth Green. Okay. And he started talking about child sex trafficking and Hollywood stars and mentioned Seth Green by name. If you want an interesting dive, look into Isaac oh, Cappy and his videos. That's heartbreaking because I do like Seth Green. But like I said, I am prepared for it to be everybody and anybody, even the people that I like. Yep. What wouldn't you do if you had access to everything and it was accepted and it was part of the culture and they had whole islands where you could go and participate in this? It would be normalized. You wouldn't think anything of it. I would actually speculate that it's not even just even just that aspect, but the fact of, you know, people who have probably been working for these careers, you know, you always get those stories of, you know, being a waitress until they make it, all that kind of stuff. And so they finally make it and they find out that most of the people that they're going to be working with that is pretty much the future of their career decide they want to screw some kids and you might have some moral reservations, but nope, your passion for being a big millionaire actor is just much more yeah. important. And also the fact when you look into the story of Jeffrey Epstein, it was not even just he would have celebrities there. He would make sure he took pictures with all of them so that he would have the blackmail material. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's a mixture of depraved people and people who have decided that certain things are a heck of a lot more important than morals and children. There's so much money. Not to mention the fact that I don't know about you, but that it's not easy to tell a 15 or 16 year old girl apart from an 18 or 19 year old girl. Right. And so it's very easy for these people who want you under their thumb and want you to not be able to tell on them for things they're doing to hook you on someone you think is legal, yeah. take video or photo of it, and then go, oh, no, 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 she was 15. Yeah, I think a lot of people are having to come to terms with that, even just in the regular person community, because we're finding out yeah. that Pornhub is maybe involved in some of this sex trafficking, and that possibly some of the videos that they have up on their website are videos of sex slaves. And yeah. like you said, how can you tell by looking? I mean... Yep. Is she pantomiming that or is she in fact being raped? How do you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so there's a reckoning as far as that goes with, you know, a lot of people in, in the in just the regular person community. So imagine you living in a world where you have all the money in the world and you never get told no. You know, like what what wouldn't what wouldn't you have access to? I think that Michael Malice had the best idea. Because he said it about Epstein, but I think we should do it with uh, Jelaine Maxwell. Mm -hmm. What we need is to have her in a cell, set up a webcam mm -hmm. in that cell that broadcasts all the time, mm -hmm. make people pay, make money off of it, make people pay $5 to watch. You will never have less than 1 million people watching to make sure that woman isn't killing herself or getting assassinated 24 hours a day. It was so cartoonish the way that Epstein was taken out too. I was like, oh, the guard was asleep and the camera was off. And I was like, you just don't even respect us. You're just going to give us not even a good lie. You're going to just like bullshit. You know, oh, the guard yep. was asleep. He also has $100,000 in his bank account now. I don't know that that's true, but I assume something like <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so I don't know if you guys saw the Chrissy Teigen stuff that was going mm. on. Oh, oh, it was frightening. Yeah. yeah. So she had a bunch of tweets that are deleted now but the internet is in ink so they've been screenshotted 
And it's her talking about how the show Toddlers and Tiaras was giving her bad feelings. And so basically the entire internet is calling Chrissy Teigen a pedophile. And she's locked down her account and blocked like a million different. She said she blocked a million people. Yeah. I'd like to know how she did that. She she blocked a million people. (laughs) That's amazing. Like a fast draw. Yeah. So, and I mean, like, so she's married to John Legend. Like this, this, it's all of them. Every, all of them. You know, and I'm sorry, I know this is all of our entertainment and our art for the last 40 or 50 years, but it's all of them. And we're going we're gonna to have to, like, just swallow some pills here that some of our beloveds, some of the people that we've grown up with and some of the people that, like, we respect are actually, like, kitty diddlers. And it's it's time to go through with a wood chip. Yeah, they're actually the monsters from horror movies. Yes. Speaking of. Oh. <laughs> Nice segue. <laughs> yeah, that's a great segue to my to my project. Let's let's uh-huh. tie it in. <laughs> I love it when I hit a good one. Oh, mm. it's like crack. No, but it's a great point because like um, people consider me kind of a freak because I like to watch horror movies, and a lot of these movies have terrible content. It's ghosts, people getting killed, and horrifying things, but. That is nothing compared to if you just peel back the veneer of our actual society, just the corner of it. You guys seen Event Horizon? Or I was like Not the yet. screaming hellscape. That's the sound it makes when you peel the veneer back. And, and that's our real society. So there is yeah. no horror movie on earth that I think could compare to what we're about to find out about our politicians, our movie stars, and our press. I'm just hoping it actually gets a chance to get out. Yeah. And I don't think Q has anything to do with it. No. (laughs) Oh, no. As much as they would like to. God bless them. Yeah. He was irrelevant to me. Let's talk about your your 100 Nights of Horror. Yeah, it's 100 Nights O-Horror. It's a little Irish. I'm a little Irish, so it's really Irish on it. (laughs) And it is, as far as I know, the biggest uh, horror movie challenge on the internet. There are some other ones that I think are like 30 days. But what Mm -hmm. our challenge attempts to do is watch 100 horror movies before Halloween night. So we start on July 23rd. That's the 100th day before Halloween night. And um, our group, I create a list and I create a calendar, but you don't have to follow my calendar. And we go through and we watch um, one movie per night. And we have a really fun group. We discuss the movies and we do live chats and, you know, uh, trivia. And sometimes there's um, contests and things like that. So we do have um, fan art, you know, just lots of fun stuff that goes on. But it's a very loosely structured challenge. So you don't have to watch one movie per night. You can save them all up for the weekend and binge or you can do double headers, however you want to do it. But the object is between July 23rd. In October 31st, you watch 100 horror movies. And if you're not, if your mind is not completely bent by the end of that, well, then I <laughs> applaud you. Um, I actually have never completed the challenge myself, and I don't know of anyone who has. I've gotten to 57 is my okay. high number. So I, I just need to know. Yes. Is Ernest Scared Stupid on the list? And if not, can I talk you into it? Um, so the list is is finalized um but i haven't put it out yet because i don't release it until july 23rd so if there's a movie on i think i sent you the list early even though i wasn't supposed to tell anyone (laughs) about that i did send you the list early if you find a candidate on that list that you think should be bumped for earnest scared stupid (laughs) 
then I will consider it. But you have to pick the title and tell me why okay. Ernest Scared Sh- Stupid should replace that. I, 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 I take that as a challenge and I will do it. And uh, let me ask you. Yes. For you, what are the most terrifying horror movies? Okay, so we were discussing before uh, the recording started, um, Lars von Trier's Antichrist is probably single-handedly the most disturbing horror movie that I've seen. Like, it caused my husband to have such a visceral reaction that he had to actually leave the room. I don't want to specifically tell you what scene that was, because I don't want to ruin the surprise. (laughs) But if you think you've got the stomach for it, Lars von Trier's Antichrist will definitely put you to the task on that one. Um, And then also, just kind of for fun, um, I was also mentioning that uh, when I was around four years old, I saw the movie Critters, which is (laughs) sort of a ridiculous horror movie, but it haunts me to this day. I'm old. I'm almost 40 years old, and that movie still haunts me to this day. So, um, yeah, kind of a wide variety there. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) Well... I love horror movies. I love different types. I especially like ones that make me feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. Like uneasiness is such an interesting thing to happen when you're watching a movie and it's not typical. And so I I've I like when that can happen. Right. But I would say if it comes to actual like feeling scared for years and I think for good reason, for me it's been um not movies about ghosts, because screw ghosts. <laughs> movies about demons. Ooh. That, because that let me tell you. on a might be real kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. For me, it goes full on into Israel. <laughs> Not the state. Okay. <laughs> I believe they're real. <laughs> right, okay. I was like, uh-oh, we're about to go down a path, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not Nick Cannon. I'm not going to go anti-Semitic. Right. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like like my biggest um, frustration with the movie Paranormal Activity was when they decided they wanted to catch the footprints of the demon. And when they got the footprints, it was like dragon, dragon paw prints. Right. And I was like, come on, give me like, is that really what you think of when you hear demons? Right, like, right. What's more terrifying than just like big ass human feet? <laughs> Little human feet. Yeah, Little, either way, go in either direction. Feet. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's nothing scarier Just, than kids. Like creepy kids or demon kids. Oh my God. Thank you. Goodness. <laughs> Let me <laughs> tell you. the scariest thing in scary movies to me. When I walk through this house to get a glass of water at three in the morning, and one of my beautiful, angelic children walks up to me, there is no difference between them and a demon right. at that moment. <laughs> so my husband- <laughs> But yeah, so- Oh, last, well, just real quick, my husband last night, he woke up from a nightmare. And as he was waking up from the nightmare, our cat was coming in through the door meowing. She probably wanted food. It's a completely normal thing. But it scared (laughs) the shit out of him. And he jumped 10 feet high out of bed so much that it woke me up. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, I don't know what to tell you right now. But yeah, it was just the, the combination of the nightmare with the wow sound scared the life out of him this poor man and he's very scientific he doesn't buy into any kind of like um supernatural anything and so to see him in that state was like wow this is interesting like yeah i don't i don't actually blame him because my i have a 
Siamese and Siamese cats are very talkative Vocal. and she'll hit the, uh, she'll go into heat and I'll be sleeping and have some sort of freaky thing happen or I'll jolt awake and I can just hear it sounds like a baby yeah. crying. It can be really frightening. <laughs> he just, it took him a minute to get his wits about him and he didn't know how to process that sound uh, in combination with the nightmare and God, I felt terrible for him. But at the same time, I was like, I've never seen you have this reaction before. Like, <laughs> because me, I, you know, like I'm a big fan of horror movies. And I sort of ironically believe in ghosts and, and UFOs and things like that. So I, I like yeah. a universe with a little bit of mystery in it. Yeah. And I can freak myself out really easy, especially at three o'clock in the morning, walking through the house to get some water. You just know that there's a cold hand sort of waiting behind the corner <laughs> to grab you or something. and like. That makes things more fun for me. Um, but I can understand if that's not your bag, how <laughs> deeply disturbing that kind of thing would be. Honestly, if I saw a ghost, I would chase it around the house. I would be yeah. like, let, Dude, let if, me I, if, I, if I saw a ghost, I can't tell you how many times the name Jesus would pop out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. And I rebuke you, all that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> go, go back to my, my Pentecostal days. Um... So yeah, I've heard a but, lot of uh, that kind of theory about ghosts. I, I I read a lot about that kind of stuff, not necessarily because I believe in it, but it's such that lore is such a part of our culture and such a part of our history that I, especially in Georgia, you can't swing a dead yeah. cat without hitting a haunted house around here. I mean, it's just, yeah. but how come you never see a ghost from the eighties? How come you never <laughs> see a ghost smoking a cigarette in like a crop pop? Yeah. How, how come you never hear a ghost singing? Uh, I'm feeling 22 in the other room. <laughs> it's always like a guy um, from the Civil War or something, and you're like, okay. I mean, like, other people died since then, so. But yeah, Georgia, we love our ghost stories here, so. We need new ghosts. Yes, um, but thank you. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I'm going to extend to you an offer that I haven't offered anyone else, Ooh. okay? Anytime you want to come on, just tell me. Wow, that's the Larry David treatment. I enjoy this. And also, if you want to talk about my theory when it comes to, to ghosts. I would love to do that. Oh my we gosh. Can, we Let's can do, do a that. whole ghost episode. So so that is the, that is my offer to you. Before we go, please tell everyone your Twitter handle, Instagram if you do that, where to find your horror challenge. And also, please send it to me so I can put it all in my notes. Yeah. I'll, I'll send the links to you for that. Um, the horror movie challenge is 100 Nights O Horror. And if you um, basically like type into Facebook 100 Nights O Horror Challenge, it should come up there. Um, also, it's like the URL. The last part of it is just 100 Nights O Facebook forward slash groups forward slash um, 100 Nights O Horror. Nights with horror. Just, just the lettering, all one word. Um, my Twitter handle is L-I-B-T-K-I-T, which... Libet Kit Witch, which is supposed to be Libertarian Kitchen Witch, but they don't give you a lot of space. I'm on YouTube, uh, The Jessica Green Show. Um, I put an episode up about once a month. So, And then okay. I also have a blog, The Libertarian Kitchen Witch on WordPress. Um, but mostly if you want to find me, look for me on Twitter. I like to chop it up on there. So yeah, come find me. Awesome. And if you want to find Kim, type Lesbertarian anywhere. <laughs> and you'll find her. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, if you want to email her specifically and not me, lesbertarian at gmail.com. If you want to hit me, cam at mlgnetwork.com. 
and then just type in this is MLGA anywhere. This is MLGA.com, etc. Um, I do have a Patreon, so find that and give me money, please, because I I edit so much for you guys, and I just feel like maybe Daddy needs a coffee. I don't know. All right. Thank you so much again, Jessica. You've been a joy. I love talking to you. I love our social media interaction. This is Please fun, you guys. Back. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> awesome. And as always, dear listeners, stay sane. <laughs> <laughs>